hit him in the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome, <laughs> folks, to another edition of The Spoiler Room. We appreciate every single one of our listeners out there. Thank you so much for coming down the stairs, grabbing a, a lot of drinks to listen to us ramble about films. And this month, folks, yes... It is no expiration date month. And what is that? Well, we're covering films that deal with immortals. And I have the immortal one with me tonight, the man of many opinions. It is none other, once again, than our good friend, Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, sir. How are you? Um, I'm doing great until you introduced me as being so old I could count as an immortal. <laughs> well, if we go by Zardoz rules... That is, oh, but then I'm still a teenager, uh, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Immortal, it depends. I mean, in Logan's run, you weren't immortal, but you lived till 30 and then you went ascension. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Highlanders, they didn't, you know, they didn't age. Uh, whenever they decided to become immortal, they were, and that'll be a conversation for later this month. Stay tuned and welcome to all our viewers out there hey we got mr don shanahan in the his house hello don, don. and a valentina thank you both so much for tuning in and listening to us talk about the classic zardoz um Ian. Oh, no don't don't <laughs> you, you, i can't i can't, can't give the synopsis on this you, you can't because i still don't know what the hell you made me watch mark Yes, 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 folks, in the spoiler room, we always try to work to expand the horizons of uh, you, not only my listeners, but also my fellow crew members out here. And I <laughs> no, Mr. Don Shanahan has said he's supremely disappointed that none of you have the wardrobe. Uh, I have the Speedo part, but I can't show it because otherwise YouTube would, would ban me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and yes, he quoted, uh, I don't know what the hell you made me watch, Mark. You know, I've heard that a few times over the year and a half, almost two years now we've been doing this together. And uh, yeah, it always makes me smile whenever I hear my crew members say, what the hell did you make me watch? Because uh, that means that, yeah, uh, I've accomplished my goal <laughs> of bringing films that not necessarily break crew members but um that expand your horizons get you out of your wheelhouse and this one is definitely in its own wheelhouse okay i can try to do the synopsis of this um okay <clears throat> hold on hold on i've actually got i got notes to try oh to don't cheat track. mark okay no i just the, i just had to get the year okay okay the year is 2293, set in the future where a large, gigantic god in the form of a concrete head floats around the earth, and those that are left after what appears to be a post-apocalyptic world, uh, those survivors worship the mighty Zardoz, that is the god of the head, but... Of course, things aren't what they seem. And one of the executioners named Zed, who is part of the Outlands and does the bidding of Zardoz so he can become immortal, sneaks aboard the gigantic concrete godhead, uh, revealing that it's not a god at all, but just a ship. And uh, riding on that ship, he soon discovers uh, a area... Uh, called the neck, uh, uh, what is it? Nexus the vortex? vortex. Thank you. The Nexus was Star Trek. Nexus uh, was Star Trek. You're right. Yeah. To the vortex. 
and the vortex is where he discovers there's a lot of beings called Eternals. And we find out that Zed himself is a special uh, being, a mutant, if you will. This is the spoiler room, folks. And we watch how he works to uh, destroy their civilization all in the name of revenge. Uh, there's uh, weird, surreal crystals. Uh, there's a lot of people who are really bored being immortals. Uh, there's a room of various growing naked people and fetuses. And, uh, yeah, and and something with a uh, flower. So, <laughs> there a lot of things. This film is so compact that... Uh, yeah, uh, we watch how Zed basically uh, takes these I immortals, not Eternals. Sorry. Yes, thank you, Mr. Shanahan. Uh, Marvel Arts <laughs> ripoff. You, you, got, you got to put up his previous comment. That's that's yes. uh, that's gold. I have, have I have a concrete head just thinking about the studs of this movie. Boy, <laughs> I yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of both in this. Uh, 1974, and and boy. It does <laughs> this scream 1974 and I totally agree Mr. Shanahan Samsonite could not unpack this movie um yeah have you seen this before Mark I had not neither have I this in all honesty I've seen clips I've seen bits I've seen pieces I never sat down and watched the whole film uh, <laughs> and I'm glad I did. I am so glad I did because I love films like this because they they go every... Just when you think you've got like, okay, I think I've got my head wrapped around of what's going on. We cut to a scene that suddenly you're like, okay, that totally destroyed just what I was thinking. That was... That was the entire movie for me. I, I I did not have at any point any idea what what, <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> now here's here's a question. You've mentioned this mm -hmm. this phrase uh, or this word, um, outland. Yes, that comes up several times, mm -hmm. in, or they refer to him as an outlander. Now Sean Connery was also in a movie that I haven't seen called One called Outland. Yes, Outland. <laughs> I wonder if this is part of some like Outland <laughs> cinematic universe. Like this I... is the like a Mad Max. Thing well, Outland, Outland is its own beast, and actually, that's the film I've watched. That was one of those to where I'd start watching that and go, "Oh, I'm watching Zardoz." I'm like, "Oh no, wait, I'm watching Outland." Okay, and every time I'd watch it, I'm like, "Oh, I'm watching that." No, it's it's Outland, and yes, uh, uh, Outland is high noon in space. Absolutely, um, Mr. Shanahan. Uh, so happy that you're in there tonight thank you for all your comments so far you keep them coming and yeah high noon in space is outland that is fairly straightforward zardoz high noon for the first time like a few years ago really i love that movie yeah oh, then I, you'll like so outland then you'd like i was outland gonna say because... anything high noon in whatever i'll, I'll watch so I yeah check that out. it's high noon in space mr shanahan is completely correct and uh yeah it uh it is an interesting movie but it is definitely more straightforward than than Zardoz. Let's let's preface this by 1974. Drugs were 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 very prevalent, and what <laughs> all the way through the 80s too. Cocaine, as Mr. Shearer would say, needs its own Academy Award. Um, this one, LSD, maybe. I mean, this is about as surreal as you get with like these films to the point of where it's not even art house to where it's incoherent. This one at least is somewhat coherent. It does have a somewhat linear storyline. It just jumps. It like leapfrogs constantly over itself. I, you know, I, I'm giving it a hard time. I feel like it does make sense, but the problem is it, it needs to be shorter. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because even, even my, my years long training in slow cinema. And I was thinking about this while I was watching it. Like, sure. why can I watch, you know, this is for you, Don. Why can I watch Terrence Malick movies and not be bothered <laughs> by, you know, random shots of like dew falling off of flower petals, 
But I just I want to reach for the remote and fast forward through half of Zardoz. I think it's because Malik will do like a montage of different things. He'll settle mm -hmm. on something for a few seconds and he'll move on. But that montage will last for five minutes. In this, there'll be scenes of like half naked people, which you got to go a long way to get me to be not interested in half naked people. But they'll be sitting around a table like talking about space hippie nonsense. And I'm like, this is going nowhere. <laughs> What is happening? It, it's metaphor. It's allegory. It's we're we're doing these things to represent something else. Ian, did you not get that from the big godhead in the beginning that goes to the executioners and says the gun is good, the gun cleanses, and then proceeds to vomit out shotgun shells and shotguns and guns and rifles to everyone. That is that was. At that moment, I still had hope because I was like, that is audacious. It was they, audacious. You know, a giant stone head just puking out weapons, guns. I'm like, I've never seen that before. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but the, I figured it out towards hmm. the end of the movie. Um, this reminded me of three other films, one of which the most obvious because it's in the damn title of the movie. Again, we're in the spoiler room. So if you don't want to know, turn back now. Dun, 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 dun. Zardoz is an, is an abbreviation, sort of, of the Wizard of Oz. Yes. So, as you can imagine, the giant godhead that controls everything, there's just a tiny little man inside pulling strings, and he's part mm. of a, a weird superstructure that uh, was... Scientists were exploring you know, human potential, and they had figured out how to live forever, and so they constructed this vortex that couldn't be destroyed, so... Uh, even if thousands of years in the future people decided, hey, you know, we'd like to die, that would be impossible for them to do. Uh, the the only punishment is that they age. You know, the, the punishment is, yeah, we're going to add, we're, we're going to fast forward you by like five years, which I think was an interesting concept. But this movie also reminded me of Prometheus mm -hmm. and also reminded me of Elysium. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, two movies that I didn't really care for, but I feel like Neil Blomkamp and Ridley Scott at one point dropped a lot of acid and watched Zardos and like, I can do better. <laughs> and Mr. Shanahan is great. Editing is key there. <laughs> editing is definitely key, especially in this film. Um, because, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you've got your class warfare message in here right from the beginning. I mean, Zed is an executioner. He's part of this group who live in this very barren wasteland that worships Zardos, who... Um, it, it's funny because I'm watching this going, there's a lot of great ideas that they start up and then they jump to the next one before exploring further. Because there's this interesting idea that uh, one of the guys, Arthur, I think his name was or whatever, who's the uh, immortal actually running the concrete head, he's, he was put in charge of the Outland group because the scientists and... The immortal folks have separated themselves in a different class. They're the hippies, but they also have all the resources and the utopia and basically don't have to struggle for anything. While as you have the Outland folks who are getting murdered by the executioners who follow Zardoz because this immortal guy got bored and he decided to pit Outlanders against one another to keep them in control. But then they find out that their resources are being aren't that prevalent because nobody wants to do any work <laughs> in the immortal world. So he starts changing things up and rather having the, the brutes as they're referred to kill each other. He has the executioners who have evolved over time because they've been out there a long time. There's the smarter ones. He has them controlling the, the other ones to do their plowing and field work. And again, another great concept. I'm like, I would love to explore some of this further, but then we jump to, the, the the tabernacle, which is the immortal tabernacle, and how that got established, and then the hierarchy within the immortal world where you have the renegades who, if you look at it, it's just a statement about old people. All the hippies are young people. The renegades are old people who uh, have people who've done so many naughty things, they've been aged to being old un until they die, and then they're reborn as fetuses and grow really quick. <laughs> You stand with me, folks. And then then there's the apathetic who apparently there's more than one vortex. <clears throat> there's multiple vortexes out there. So immortals are in different zones, kind of like paying tribute, you know, 
a la, uh, you know, uh, Hunger Games kind of thing going on. Uh, and yeah, my brain's melted. Um, <laughs> the apathetic is a disease that's running through rampant through the immortals because they're all getting really fucking bored of coming back. They can't even kill themselves, folks. They've tried. In fact, friend try has tried he mentions to zed because when zed is discovered uh, stowing away on the concrete head and arthur is missing they decide to study the brute the guy from the outland the guy who could still get an erection you know stuff like that uh, <laughs> help me out here ian um <laughs> you gotta put that one up uh mark yeah put, put yeah. up. <laughs> Um, I'm on the Oregon Trail with you, but the dysentery is creeping in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, look, you're right. It's I didn't even pick up on on half the stuff that you're talking about mm. there. Like I thought that the apathetics were just part of the immortals. You're saying that there might have been another vortex that uh, they were part of. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I will say it's interesting that <laughs> you had me at erection. <laughs> Well, I'm standing Sorry. at attention already. Mm. Um, or all right. But no, the thing about this brute character, this Zed character played by Sean Connery. First, I was looking on it's either Wikipedia or IMDb. You know, I, mm -hmm. I right before I watched the movie, I'm like, what am I getting to? What is this? And I saw trivia that uh, was it John Borman, mm -hmm. the uh, writer and director. Yes. Uh, Apparently, after was it Diamonds Are Forever, the the unofficial Connery movie Bond movie flopped. Connery was kind of like on the outs, and so Borman got him to do this movie for two hundred thousand dollars, which for James Bond was like you know sub minimum wage at the time. Ike. So that explained the mm. perplexed, half bored look on Connery's face throughout the entire film. And the other thing that struck me is. Uh, Connery famously turned down a role in the Matrix movies because he didn't understand the script. I'm like, that was your litmus test? <laughs> well, because he got there burned. There's something about Zardos that, that made complete sense to you, but yeah, the no, Matrix no, no. was just too, a step too far. No, I think it's just the opposite. I think because he did Zardos, he was not going to do the Matrix because he's like, fuck that. Um, you know, <laughs> Sean, is that you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Special guest star, everybody. Um, <laughs> no, I it's it's so puzzling, especially because early on when they are doing this examination of the brute, they can sort of put his memories, memories up yeah. on these giant view screens mm -hmm. for all the space hippies to watch. And one of the first things you see is him and his marauders slitting people's throats on horseback mm -hmm. and then an actual sexual assault there on the beach. Like woman gets captured in a net and the next thing you know, Connery's on top of her. But and we go back to that scene like mm -hmm. a few minutes later, like, oh, this is this is supposed to be the hero. And I can understand if you're going to do some kind of a redemption thing, like he comes to understand that it's wrong, but he's just kind of the least crappy person in this hierarchy. And you just want to see all the space hippies dead. So, you know, we'll settle for him, but he's still not, you know, an aspirational figure by any means. And he doesn't really change at all. No, 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 he doesn't. Uh, he's there for revenge. He mentions it a number of times. That theme comes up throughout revenge at the fact that, the immortal, uh, is again, I'm getting, I think I'm getting the name right, Arthur or whatever, who was put in yeah. charge, who's been piloting the helmet, the, the head, because no one else in their society felt the need to go out to the world and manage these folks. Um, he decided to have some fun. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I just... Because our hero did it in the name of God, too. You know, uh, in the name of Zardoz. He, he took the woman in the name of Zardoz. He even, Zed even says so in the name of Zardoz. So it's not played well because I think you're right. I think Connery is just cashing it in with this film once he realizes what film he's in. But at the same time, I think what they were trying to go for was he's there for revenge because he's upset that this immortal posed as a god had them do all these 
wild things that he didn't realize were bad or whatnot until he got shown a book. See, another theme of how books are bad. People get on me for not reading, okay? For not reading. But look how many books, like Stargate, fucking people learned how to read and look, took out their society, which, yeah, you had some slaves, but overall, you know, they were doing okay. And then you've got Zardoz, where the Eternals, the the immortal folks, uh, they were living fine and, you know, the executioners were living high in the hogs killing everybody who was in suits and then all of a sudden someone reads a book and and suddenly society crumbles you're really onto something here i think you know we should take all the books and burn them we that, no. that historically has always no been good. no good we will idea. we do not burn them no <laughs> we do not burn them <laughs> oh you, we, you pissed off the we, school teacher no, no you're damn right books are bad signed a 20-year veteran school teacher <laughs> Forget books, get all your learning from comic books and social media. That works well. But anyway. Because <laughs> as we all know, comic books aren't actual literature. Yeah. Um, some would some would say, yes, uh, another debate for another time. But as for this one, you know, again, most of these themes, he's there for revenge because he feels manipulated. It's not conveyed that well. But if you watched other films like this, I get the impression that's what they were going for for Zed's true motivation is he read some books, he got some book smarts, he realized he was being played because he read The Wizard of Oz. He told his executioner buddies, dude, we're getting played. And they're like, what? They're like, here, read this. And they're like, what? It Words. They're like, just read it. And they're like, dude, they're getting played. And so he comes up with the scheme to go after the wizard. So when did he read the book? Because I thought that happened later. Did that happen Mm-mm. before he stowed away on the head? Yeah, that happened. I was confused. That by the happened whole, like, before weird flashback vision structure. This thing. No, that that happened before that. He was in pursuit of someone to kill, and they were in That's an old right. building because he was an ex- thing with the book kind of floating in front right. of him. And, yeah, and and, okay. pay, and no, there is no uh, message at all with the fact that executioners kill all the. Uh, folks who are out in this outland and all the people in outland wear suits there's no message here the hippies <laughs> live forever and the suits get killed by the executioners uh no message at all no none no. no theme uh but yes he chased the one victim because he was about the hunt too because he told the one girl uh was a consuela or whatever who was against him staying there uh, he told her that the thrill was the hunt, not the actual kill. Um, so he hi- hunts that guy, and that's where he, the guy... It's a beautiful scene. Here he is, a vicious killer, running through shelves, hunting the guy. And what stops him, the guy sticks his head out with a book. It's like the power of Oz compels you. Hey, knowledge is power, Mark. Yeah, I know it is. And it shows that it's power here because he learns... His fellow executioner learns, and they read more than the Wizard of Oz, though the Wizard of Oz was their motivation, for this whole convoluted scheme of getting after the uh, immortals, finding a way past their invisible barrier so that they could come in and annihilate them for making them basically slaves to uh, uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, religion, the, basically. And yeah, yuppie killing DC and Joker are more of those ripoff bastards, yes. Well, here's here's my question. What is the any idea of the time frame here? Because, uh, yeah, you've got the brutes, the executioners who just run around killing people. Do they know how to read? Can you put a book in front of them and be like, yeah, here, read this. Like, I don't know what reading is or what that, you know, bang, essentially. He had the capability of reading. I how? Why? The, Why? Because he was a Why mutant. Why do you make a race of killers, of no. mutant killers that... Well, they didn't that... make them. I think the impression I got in the beginning is that he picked some folks to be executioners initially and some not. Maybe he did know that these were mutants or he was just playing with genetics while out in the field. Arthur, because he, he had the advanced technology, we saw him growing people in bubble wrap. So... <laughs> um you know, so he was growing people. So I honestly, I'm one. Let me back up. I believe he grew the executioners. They were mutants because he had other people in his concrete flying god skull that were in various, what appear to be various stages of 
development. Yeah, I and I, I get that. I just don't know. It it seemed like either the you know Arthur or whoever was mm-hmm. is pitting these people against each other, these creatures that they were creating. Uh, why, if you're going to make a race of like supreme, you know, killers and hunters and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, why give them the ability to <laughs> perhaps uh, learn enough to get onto you uh, and possibly destroy you? Well, there is that theme. I think there is there is an explanation, the motivation. It happens at the very end and quite briefly, but we come to find out that Arthur oh, yeah, isn't he wanted dead. To die, right? Arthur isn't dead. And he's got a buddy friend who has also rocked the boat many times in their society, talking about how he's bored as hell because he he's tried many times to kill himself or die, and he just keeps coming back reincarnated and remembering everything and all this, and he's just he's done with this life. Um, so, yeah, they want to die. So the whole motivation is to created these people enough to where they'd be smart enough to develop and come and kill him. Right. But I guess, and that makes sense. And that's a cool idea. But <laughs> if they are immortals and this whole thing is being instructed so they can't be killed, what difference does it make if they're killed by these brutes because they're just going to come back? Well, because a little bit earlier than when we finally get the mass chaos in the last like 15 minutes of the film, when something really, really happens, um, <laughs> uh, they talk about how he got his knowledge. He got his learning, how Zed at one point is being examined, not for his erection, but before that for his mental capacity. And you get May who says you're actually smarter than anybody here because the uh, immortal folks have developed telepathic abilities to where, as friend would say, you know where looks can kill. Well, now oh they can God. actually <laughs> scramble your brain with not only the script, but they scramble your brain by looking at your eyes and, and they, they fight telepathically. Um, but apparently may uh, studied him enough in his genetics to where, yeah, he's actually the smartest kid on the block, but he doesn't have his full potential yet because he hasn't been exposed to the knowledge, but his brain and mentality, the size of his brain and everything, she, as she said, he's the smartest one there. Um, but I, st- I still don't understand what that, that means. <laughs> it, I mean, well, I honestly, I'm at a loss. He's the smartest one there. Meaning that that's when she kind of realized he was engineered for a specific reason, most likely to end their life of immortality. Um, you know, putting because she starts talking about how, um, <laughs> how, uh, you know, uh, he needs to play along and not let on that he knows, you know, and then he sets up friend to where this is really weird dinner scene to where everybody, you know. I mean, most of us want to go to level two, especially when you play a game. But here, he didn't want to go to level two because everybody does their psychic link around the table against friend because he's, yeah, with the hands out, he's against now Zed because I think he recognizes the threat Zed actually poses. Though we don't get a scene like that, it's just kind of... And so everybody goes against friend and reveal his true nature and his true feelings because this is supposed to be a happy, happy, joy, joy society. And he's had negative thoughts constantly. So he's aged a few times and died that way. Um, And this time they age him, but don't kill him and send him with the renegades with the other old folk, because as we know, hippies are cool. Old folks drool. Um, And and yes, uh, Don Shanahan says or has been exposed to an erection. Yeah, uh, it it, actually that was one of the seeds I actually kind of found funny. There's there's bits and scenes in here that I thought were interesting. And that one was one of them where they're talking about how people have evolved so much that uh, erectile dysfunction has become a major thing for the immortals because they don't have to have kids anymore because if they die, they just come back. So why even have sex? And that I thought was an interesting concept about it. But again, we only get a two-minute scene, but it's lovely because they show some, out of the archives, I guess, some porn for the brute 
And he literally has a room full of people staring because they're bored. So they come to see the research. It was very, it was very Clockwork Orange, yes. which came out a couple of years before this, because there's that scene at the end where mm-hmm. Alex is supposedly reformed, and they put that naked woman in front of him with all the the high society people around to see if he's going to attack her. Um, I'm not going to do that, Don. Um, <laughs> to sorry. to my to my listeners who might not be able to see uh, the chat or watch the video, Mr. Don Shanahan's basically suggesting that we end. <laughs> Uh, you play the game where you end every one of my sentences be- with because of erections. Um, <laughs> and that becomes a major point because of erections. Yes, it does work out. Um, <laughs> I I just imagine Connery saying, I'm going to poke a hole in the fabric of your reality with this. It just comes <laughs> because popping of, out. Because of my erections. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> But no, that that scene, I, I love that scene with uh, with Charlotte Rampling. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like Helen Mirren. I grew up watching them in you know movies, but as they were older, so you kind of go back to like the seventies. You see pictures like they were smoking hot when they were young. Not mm-hmm. to say that they're not attractive now, but it's like wow. But I thought it was kind of sweet where they're showing him images, like you said, of like a woman rubbing her showery soapy breasts and then like two people like mud wrestling two ladies mud wrestling yeah right and then it's just and then it's just uh charlotte rampling looking at him and then (laughs) it's all that that arched eyebrow and everyone else around them was like oh okay yeah well again he has a whole group of uh immortal folks around watching the study because they've got absolutely nothing else to do with their life and so he's standing there naked what what really worked for me with this scene was the look on Zed's face. Yeah, two ladies mud wrestling because of erections. Yes, thank you, Don. Thank you. I will have to put that in the show notes of, here, play this game, add every uh, sentence with because of erections. Actually, every uh, sentence should be ended with that. (laughs) Because of the erection. Um but I loved how Connery played it because it was the one time where he seemed to be really into the role and acting because he did have the most uninterested look on his face when he looked up at the screen. But then immediately when he turned his gaze to Consuela, it was immediately like, my name's Zed, just Zed. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It, 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 he suddenly turned on that little bit of Sean Connery, like smolder a bit looking at her and it was and she plays it great as well she was a wonderful performance in here because she's looking at him and then she looks down and looks at him and you could see the confusion in her head like huh because they've lived in a society so long where sexual attraction does not really exist amongst the people anymore they don't care well most of them don't we learn later that some of them have urges uh, but mm. then they get aged five years and tossed with the crazies. So, um, I also like the idea of they're like these extreme. They're, they're collectivists, but they're also extreme individualists. So they believe in equality above all else. Because there's that scene where friend basically enlists Zed to like serve them dinner at yeah. this big table, mm-hmm. uh, and Consuela's like. You know, we all have our own agency here. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you, you should be serving your own food <laughs> or we should be dishing our own stuff up, you know, call your dog off. And, uh, <laughs> and he kind of does, um, you know, it's uh, kind of jumping ahead here. Cause yeah. I, I guess they eventually solved the death problem because of that, that closing scene mm-hmm. where Zed and Consuela kind of sneak off to this cave while the rest of the brutes are rampaging through paradise, killing everybody. And at first they're making out and then you cut back to them. And there's this really horrifying image of Consuela on her back with this giant bulging pregnant belly. I'm like, what the hell is happening? And then it cuts back to them again. And there is almost like a bizarre family portrait of Zed on one side, Consuela on the other, and like a little baby, who the the camera keeps changing like like morphing and he grows mm-hmm. older and they grow older until they're skeletons and then nothing mm-hmm. uh is this to imply that time itself has uh 
has been altered in some way, or are we just watching the fast-forwarded version of you know several decades? We're watching the fast-forwarded version of several decades. They've hided out, hid out now in this cave, which is near the uh, I'm a, gathered near the Outlands or whatever where they're at, and they've they've hid out there. Society's changed. People can die now, and they can't come back. Um, and they grow old together. Basically, he pairs up with his who the person who was his enemy at some point and uh, yeah they have a family and it's just it's sped up uh <laughs> don shanahan says growing older rapidly now m night Shyamalan is yet another ripoff bastard um no i i don't think it was sped up time i think it was normal time we were just showing well, that watching it accelerated we're watching them accelerated, watching them, the fact that you can grow old and die now in this society because Zed got the knowledge of everyone. And, oh, my God, this is almost like Highlander. Um, anyway, <laughs> all, all the immortal people who were still with him and behind this idea to destroy the immortal tabernacle because they're just tired of coming back over centuries they all give him his knowledge through osmosis so he gets the knowledge of everybody so he could figure out how to kill the tabernacle because nobody believed that that could be destroyed they said it was indestructible and so he gathers all the knowledge that can be only one and you know and then he goes in the tabernacle and kills the tabernacle and i think they're just showing in this end scene long story short that time does move on now and these people grow old and die and kids do grow up and society's normal. Um, Here, here's the thing. I watched two movies in the last week that I vowed I would never watch again. Hmm. Uh, the first was Shang-Chi, hmm. which we'll talk about tomorrow. Indeed. Uh, and, yeah, sneak preview for you, Don. <laughs> um, and the second one was Zardos. But... Given your explanation, I feel like I missed half <laughs> of the plot of this movie. So I got to go back and, and, and do some like heavy paying attention. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, by the way, sorry, Don, that's teaser uh, with because of erections. Yes, because of erections. The teaser yes. because of erections. You missed your point yeah. there. You missed your, your moment there, Don. I'm also uh, slurring my words slightly, not because I'm drunk, but because I have a head cold. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there you that's, go. Sorry. That's his excuse, and he's sticking to it. Zardoz drove him to drinking. And you know what? I, I wouldn't blame him. Um, there's also the theme in here, though, with the apathetic, which I liked, was uh, it's they, they considered a condition a disease because some of the folks who are actually running the uh, these areas um, can't understand how their people would be bored and in fact if you're bored that's you speaking out against the society and that'll get you aged five to 50 years um again great idea that we get bits and pieces of for this world but we never get like a full exploration of this stuff it just gets touched on throughout this film as we stick with zed and his revenge trip um Speaking of getting touched on, um, mm. there was a scene, a potential third sexual assault that was thwarted by the fact that uh, when Zed meets the uh, apathetic, apathetic. Yeah. doesn't friend like basically offer one yeah. to her and, and I, literally like throws this woman like a heap of you know dead wood into a bale of hay next to him. <laughs> and, and Connery's like, she's not moving at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we call him friend because that's what Zed calls him. I th yeah, oh no, he is friend. Yeah, never mind. I was yeah, thinking that's, that's that his was, that was yeah, that is we're, his we're not we're not no. assuming that friends mm -hmm. throw women at other no. people. That's not but that's not cool. His name is actual friend. They just call him friend. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because Zed is still early in his capture at this point, and he's he's basically playing rickshaw to this guy uh, carrying around his cart. That's where we discover the other areas of this place where you have the renegades, which is basically the old people who've gone nuts. So, yeah, they're not making a statement. They're put into a section by themselves. Seriously, folks, if you're not getting the subtle message of the old people are put in an area segregated from the rest of society because they're crazy, 
that's not making a statement. We also have another group of individuals all in one section of town that are the apathetic who basically stand there and do absolutely jack. They, they've become so bored with immortality that they're sitting there. Now, they consider it, a friend describes it as a disease, but it's not really if the normies who are watching this film think about it, you're like, no, they're just bored as hell and they stop. And what helps emphasize this is, yes, the creepy scene to where Zed is still kind of animalistic because he's still learning. Um, the friend says, yeah, you can pick one. Go ahead. So he grabs a girl, tosses her in the hay and kisses her, but there's no reaction at all. And he's like, oh. Okay, he didn't really want to have anything to do with this now because there's absolutely no reaction from this apathetic who basically is sitting there going, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> where what I thought was interesting, and again, another great idea that doesn't really get explored but touched on is with the apathetic, they don't really start moving until Zed actually starts showing some violent tendencies and some tendencies outside of the norms for their society. When he starts smashing a barrel and he literally flips an entire wagon full of food, the girl who was completely comatose suddenly starts getting up as if she wants the, to acknowledge this guy or whatever, or at least just get up, and the other apathetics actually start moving. Well, they it's... She kisses his finger or licks him or something that's like later. that. That's later. Yeah, that's later. Oh, is that later? That's okay. later with is... the with the kissing of the finger. Yes, we're Right. And then but that that starts a chain reaction cuz she kisses the finger and then she turns to the woman next to her and it's basically a chain rea a chain reaction of making out, right. uh, which kind of brings them, you know, to life, which is kind of interesting. Right, because he's hiding at one point from Consuela, who's put it together a posse because this, she's just tired of what this guy has done to their society, which has basically, you know, made things interesting uh, for them. And the apathetics are starting to come towards him because they saw his destruction and they started moving and they hadn't stopped moving ever since then, just very slowly. Uh, and then they finally catch up to him. And yeah, he they lick his finger, which has a little bit of blood or something on it and then yeah there's the chain reaction and suddenly when we catch up to them next time they're having a massive orgy out in the garden because they got all turned on about chasing uh, uh, Zed because that's what they were told to do by Consuela and suddenly they just got active so these folks who have been sexually repressed forever eternally and even if you started to show it well then you're going to get aged real quick suddenly have the floodgates open and they're just, it's like, you know, European party uh, in the garden, um, which I thought, again, was an interesting idea and concept that's touched on. And then we, we move on. It's like literally walking down a banquet of ideas, but never putting anything on your plate. Um, yeah, I there, it's weird because, you know, I, again, I think I need to, to watch this movie after I clear my head a bit, but. Um, I can see this being remade, like like not 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 like an Elysium or Prometheus kind of thing, but someone actually taking this material and and updating it, you know, to the 21st century, meaning putting uh, fleshing out some of these ideas, not over explaining everything, but you know, I think there really is something here. Um, I do want to mention you mentioned the the rickshaw. I thought that was just beautiful because you could see it's Tom. It, Tom Sean Connery. Tom Connery is his stunt double. Yes. No, it's it's actually Sean Connery wheeling the guy around through all these different yeah. like woodland locations and stuff i'm like man he's got to be hating this like <laughs> i'm not even making minimum wage for this shit <laughs> welcome to the rock i know uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it, it was interesting seeing his character in in this position and actually we've talked about it a couple of times of different movies that actually would have had better as a limited series they could totally remake zardoz as possibly a limited series with the yeah. amount of ideas and things you could explore in the world building that they touch on it's not really great world building it's 1974 so but they touch on a number of things that i'm watching this going you could really do some interesting things with this as a series you could have your different multiple storylines of, of the folks out in the outland. You could have the people who 
you know, are thinking differently, the immortals who are bored and, and are just doing shit to screw with things. There's the people who want the status quo. The, I mean, you could make a limit, not like a really long series, but you could probably eke out a good six or eight episodes, I think, to where you could still get your ideas across, explore them more, and give it a little bit more cohesion rather than the drug trip that this film really is. Because especially when we get into how he's suddenly the chosen one and he's the one who's most evolved and they give him all his knowledge so he can destroy the tabernacle and then we get into the tabernacle idea and then suddenly I'm like, wait, did the Wachowskis watch this? Because this <laughs> this is suddenly to start to feel like the Matrix. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Um, but no, it, it, what would be kind of interesting too is uh if you didn't remake zardos like in title but just in theme mm -hmm. like what if you had just a contemporary story um of a messed up world where people are you know terrible and, and killing each other and you know resources are depleting all that stuff just you know modern mm -hmm. day society and then someone uh, discovers god or is brought up into this you know, there, there's like a revelation, kind of an end times thing, and they kind of peel back the curtain and discover that our entire reality is being governed by these bizarre forces that create our reality, but they've all gone insane. <laughs> I, I, someone has probably already written that story or that movie, but I think you could do some stuff with this Zardos template, you know, the, the Wizard of mm -hmm. Oz meets uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, essentially meets <laughs> Zardos and come up with something really cool. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could. There's a lot to play with in here. Again, a lot of interesting, surreal ideas and things that they're touching on and everything. But it's so densely packed with these thoughts and ideas. It's just like they literally took their conception notes and used that as the script. Like they just had this whole list of ideas and they just decided to, to run down it. I mean, again, at its core, it's about Zed getting to the immortals. And basically being a pawn, even though he doesn't even realize it, of revenge because the immortals are are tired of living forever. They've just they've gotten too complacent and bored, and they've decided to move on. And uh, hey, Killer Rodan has stopped by as well. Appreciate you stopping by, Killer. Um, you know the thing is, I I understand some people will put this on on their their bad list. Um, I, I was not bored with the movie because my brain was continually trying to piece together exactly what it all means because you could tell they really trying to do some possibly heady stuff in here. And maybe I did not have any mind altering substances to help me understand the film more. Uh, but, you know, as we've mentioned throughout this episode, there are hints and gimmicks and, and things that we've seen show up later in more popular, better written films to make you wonder if they weren't influenced by this. I mean, you know, even the different vortexes, the idea of the different segmented areas for the vortexes and how a, a the series, you could do a series to where you explore different vortexes because this was just one we saw we didn't see all of them this was just one where zed uh was destroying the tabernacle who's that say there isn't another one floating you know about? what mark listening to you describe this i realized that what i was asking for has already been done and we just talked about it hmm. this movie is loki <laughs> yes <laughs> this is the disney plus series loki <laughs> Yet another ripoff. Look at all these. <laughs> look at all these properties. Look at all of them that have ripped off from Zardoz. Look at it all. Planet of the Apes for crying out loud. Well, no, that came first, but no. Uh, <laughs> but they went back in time. But they, they discovered went, they went back. In, yeah. <laughs> rip off bastards again. Yes, Mister. Because Shanahan. of the erections. No. Because um, of the erections. Yes. Um, Rogue agent, you'll have to catch up on the rest of the show to to find out what that in joke was about. I, <laughs> I promise it's a reference to something else and not just it, me being a perv. It, it's it, Don being a perv. Yeah, <laughs> Don. We'll blame Don. Uh, we blame Don. That, that's a good good excuse. But, I mean, the performances by some, it's like, it, it even had hints of Logan's run in here a bit, you know, with the society the way it was. 
and and the younger folks you know who are basically running everything and the old folks only here instead of being exploded they get tossed into you know uh <laughs> they get tossed into a home um but it's even got hints of of that you know where you got too old we're gonna just dump you off into this section with the other old crazy folk um and you know you and i i, I think we probably both took personal offense to that i i, I yeah i mean i you know I, I find myself, I've been told that I still talk like a 13-year-old, and apparently uh, Don does too, because uh, he is he is in full perv mode. Uh, but, <laughs> um, what was interesting about the nudity in this, because there is nudity that crops up, we've mentioned it many times, is none of it, even literally when they're showing the examples of what's supposed to, they think, turn a guy on, none of the nudity in here felt like it was done for any type of arousal thing whatsoever, which was inter is interesting for the period that it was made. Because, I mean, the nudity is there. And yes, there, there's, as we mentioned, there's, there's folks getting crazy at the end, the apathetic. But even that scene is more of they're on the hunt for Zed, and it's not really a, a scene for sensuality. It's people suddenly discovering things until they find cross-dressing uh, Sean Connery. And now I will put in Don Shanahan's boing, boing after I mention uh, Sean, <laughs> Sean Connery uh, cross-dressing, uh, basically hiding out as a bride. Um, but <laughs> I'm surprised that's not more of a meme on things. Yeah. I'm like, that's just too perfect. No, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's, it's funny because the closest I think we get is that scene we talked about earlier where they're trying to... Uh, elicit a response from his penis mm -hmm. um you know the the woman soaping herself in the shower and then the two women mud wrestling that is like it's brilliant because they figure he's this base brutal you know cro-magnon man bit pretty much so we just show him tits and he's gonna get an erection yeah but it's kind of like the idea like no it, it kind of takes more than that and when mm -hmm. he shows you know, he just has to look at the face of a beautiful young Charlotte Rampling to get turned on. So it's a bit more like, yeah, we're not men are, you know, we're mm -hmm. dumb and simple, but we're not that dumb and not that simple. Well, in, in their society, it made sense when they described that sex is pretty much non-existent because they live forever. That nudity soon follow would not be a okay. You know, they're like you said, their their clothing is is barely there, but. No one seems to care. They don't care. Uh, it, it is a true society that is so complacent because they live forever and don't care. And there's another message in here about the possible downside to living forever as in centuries yeah. in that they've done everything they've experienced everything there is absolutely nothing left for them i mean even friend has a house full of sculptures that he's collected and he's looking for information which the the tabernacle only gives out certain information not everything but he wants more information because he knows everything that they've given him well, it's it's also interesting because they don't, aside from Zardos, which is like mm -hmm. the fake version of God that they've constructed to <clears throat> rule Control over the, these, yeah. these other you know beings, there isn't really talk of what they believe as far as religion. I mean, it's a society mm -hmm. of scientists, so you know possibly they're all atheists or they believe that all the answers can be found in nature. But I think this would be something, the miniseries idea that you were mentioning, mm -hmm. you could devote an entire episode to the idea of people being so frustrated with immortality that the fear of what comes after death is almost nothing compared to the horror of living. Yeah. Because if like, if they are actively, they've turned into a society determined to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. If there was any kind of a hint of like, you know, Catholic uh, or Christian, you know, ideals that that's a, that's a mortal sin, right. To, to take your own life or to take right. someone else's life. So it's like, I, I, I'll deal with the possibility of there being flames for eternity because it beats having to sit in this, you know, f fucking forest <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> for, for eternity. I've read all these books, 
so many times. <laughs> I just, I, I can't anymore. Well, and that's why when you get the brutes who break through, because the whole plan with the revenge is Zed is evolved. He gets in. He gets all this knowledge from the immortals, which makes him smart enough to face the tabernacle, to which then he destroys the tabernacle. And then he almost dies, but then a kiss from a rose wakes him up. Um and he's alive, and there's chaos brewing as they're still trying to hunt for him until Consuela shows up, and she's about to kill him, and he's like, looks at her, and she's like, oh. And now they don't know, they don't know if there's a connection there romantically, which I think they're trying for, or the fact that he's got so much super knowledge now that he could just Jedi mind trick her into, you don't want to kill me, uh, because the, the hunt is better than the kill. You know, he convinces her to send the posse the other way. And then he gets his crew out to kill these guys because now that he's destroyed the tabernacle, people can die. Um, and it's the most, it, as surreal as the rest of this film, the, the crazies show up and Zed almost was going to kill someone, but he almost was like, what's the point? And then his buddies kill the person he was going to kill. And then they start blowing away all the immortals. But Nobody runs away in fear. In fact, they're lining up. The girl that gets shot that Zed refuses to shoot just because he's like, oh, well, what's the point anymore? Uh, she's standing on a, stat on a platform in the middle of a river saying, shoot me, kill me now. And everybody else is like, kill us. And it's just, it's wild. It is kind of, you know, I... It was mildly upsetting that scene where the people are essentially running out to be executed because yeah. we're not used to seeing these big displays of, you know, we're used to seeing massacres on TV and movies and, mm -hmm. you know, even in the news. But uh, it's rare that we see people lining up for it, as, as you said. And there is something about like wantonly just throwing away your own life to, to, to welcome being killed in the most horrible fashion. Yeah. <laughs> it's again, it's a blip in a movie that's full of cool ideas that aren't really explored that I would love to see someone, you know, take on as a full feature or a series. Yeah, flesh out more because the, the only place you usually see where people are going in mass to kill themselves uh, is in horror films. You know, we've got the Suicide Club, the, the Asian film that was a, a bunch of about young people school girls uh, going out and killing themselves uh, in mass uh, because I forgot what it was, a supernatural thing, possibly. It's been a long time since I watched it, but it's called The Suicide Club. Or um, you had, uh, 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 what was, oh, M. Nights, the, uh, <laughs> the happening. Interesting concept, at least. Uh, yes. it, it was definitely an interesting concept. But again, that's where you, again, a horror film, though. Usually you see it not in a regular, like, sci-fi fantasy film, uh, you know, that what's the, the best thing about this, I thought, was in the very beginning, you get floating, uh, you get, get the floating genie head, basically. It reminded me of, of the genie from... Uh, uh, big t from Pee Wee Herman's. Uh <laughs> oh, Jambi, yeah, Jambi. He reminded me of Jambi. There's this guy. It's, it's Arthur's head. We don't know who he, we. Like a high, make a hiney ho. He's got this wonderfully <laughs> bad, uh, markered makeup, uh, evil mustache painted on his face. Yeah, and he literally comes out and tells you that he's an actor they're all actors this is a satirical film are you a satirical creation of your god and it, it opens with this thing and so i'm like satire there there's some things in here i think that they're not done well but are done supposed to be possibly in a humorous way of sorts it just excuse me, it just doesn't come off that way because of the direction, but I think it almost feels like it is one step below like a complete satire parody, laugh out loud type, oh, this is just so ridiculous type from the mid-70s. Yeah, I mean, the satire is a tricky thing because it can mm -hmm. mean everything from, you know, Mad Magazine to, <laughs> uh, you know, darker material. It 
the idea is to ridicule your target, but that you know, ridiculing right. something doesn't necessarily mean make it funny. It just means that's true. Pointing true. out the ridiculousness of it. Very, very you can true. Do that with dark yeah. material, and I think that's yeah, that's a keen observation. Damn it, I gotta watch this movie again now that I know. <laughs> where it's going and kind of what it's about i feel like i can can just go in and scoop up all the the stuff that i didn't get the first time which I, congratulations to you <laughs> you absorbed a lot more of this you are the smartest man on earth I, I am not the smartest man on earth i just tend to make uh lakes out of puddles but this is things that i just pick up but then again i watch a lot of quirky cinema like this so much like you mentioned with watching slow cinema and that uh for me this is my jam because it's one of those films where I could see myself watching it again and still not understand everything that's going on, but enjoy it because it's not holding my hand. It's kind of like mother. Okay. Bear with me. Mother was a very divisive film with the YouTube reviewers. I mean, there were people that just hated that. And then there were people that loved it. I was in that camp. But what I loved even more about the people who loved it was reading what people got out of it because I never saw quite the same reaction twice from people. There were similar things, but then there were things that people got out of it differently than other people, you know? And I'm like, that I think is cool. And it not all the time, but it's cool to get pieces of cinema like that once in a while to where no, Technically, thematically, whatever, it may not be great, but it sparks a hell of a lot of conversation and people get something different. Um, you yeah. know, Mother is a great example because that's one of the best, I think, podcast conversations I've ever had was with uh, David Fowley. Mm -hmm. We went to see it together and then I think we pulled up at the Golden Nugget and we talked sure. about it as we used to do back before COVID times. Um, I didn't i didn't know anything about the movie before going into mm -hmm. it he apparently heard that it was an allegory for the bible like it goes from start right. to finish the entire thing mm -hmm. i watched it as darren aronofsky's you know fictitious allegorical account of the destruction of his marriage and his hollywood career both interpretations track perfectly to that movie mm -hmm. but neither one of us had thought about that before we went in so we're talking about like oh my god we were, we were having we unified and we mapped the biblical interpretation <laughs> to the uh, you know well, f failing relationships interpretation it was a beautiful talk and and don shanahan agrees he says the divergent takes on uh mother are all over the place it, it as is. are the divergent takes on the divergent Virgin series series are more cohesive in that that series should not have happened but anyway um <laughs> at least the movies but i digress uh but yeah and the thing is i heard a third thing T seeing a bunch of indie filmmakers talk about it a number of them and and artists they got out of it not the the biblical allegory they got it as an allegory of the creative process mm. of the ups and downs and the creative process that some of them go through to creating their art and their work and the thing is the points that they brought up you watch it you go yeah it falls into that too so you, you know it's... The, the 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 moral is i need to buy the blu-ray of mother before it goes out of print and watch it again. <laughs> I, I i have it i i bought it it was on a, a a rest in peace family video sale um so as far as zardoz it's similar not nearly as well crafted as that mother but in the same vein in that i think people you watch this and either you watch it on the surface and just go huh? or you <laughs> pop some you pop some serious drugs and then you'd be like dude it's all so clear <laughs> <laughs> or you're like ian and i somewhere in between um to where there's a lot of ideas lots of thoughts what you get out of this, I think, will I, I, I think it'll be just your experience of what you expected if you keep kind of an open, like just going, going, all right, what are you about? Um, I think you get more of it if you go into it going, oh, I've been it's got so many Razzies, oh, this film's gonna be awful. Well, then, yeah, that's all you're gonna go into it. But I think if you go into Zardoz, my final thought is you go into this film with just 
okay, hit me, and you're done watching it, sure, you might say, what in the fuck did Mark make me watch? Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, you might go, there were some cool ideas in there, or you see ideas in there that were explored better, more fleshed out in later movies or films or stories after this came out. So definitely. All right. And so that will wrap it up folks for Zardoz. Uh, <laughs> it was exactly what I expected. And that was fine that I had unexpected. <laughs> I didn't expect, you know, anything. I just like, I'm okay. Show me Sean Connery in the, the red outfit and a floating concrete Godhead. And I got that in the first five minutes. And then I'm like, okay, what do you got for me now? The rest is icing. Yes. <laughs> the rest is icing. I got to see those in action. The, the next hour is... and 42 minutes is icing. <laughs> just saw a head spew shotguns and shotgun shells. Okay. Now I'm just like, all right, let's do this. Uh, if I could die, I would die happy. <laughs> oh yeah. So thank you very much. Ian. Uh, always fun. Thank you, Don Shanahan and rogue killer uh, agent killer Rodan and valentina and everybody who popped into the chat tonight it was always great to have the live audience uh talking and yeah, it was icing on the cake because of erections thank you don shanahan that wasn't icing now's the chance where i give my crew ever a license to shill so please mr ian simmons shill away well, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which you can just type in Kicking the Seat and you'll find it. Uh, I do multiple uh, interviews and movie reviews and roundtables and things each week. Um, you'll probably, uh, this is going to be going up, I think, after uh, Wednesday night's back-to-back -back live stream extravaganza. So you can come back and check that out uh, on the replay. We'll be talking about uh, Disney Marvel's What If Episode 5. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings, which, and this is a spoiler for Don, Mark and I were talking about this in the pre-show. Uh, it's going to be a, a battle of one versus all. Uh, because of erections. Yes, because of erections. <laughs> and the one that I did most certainly not get watching that movie so yeah tune in for that <laughs> tune in for that all wonderful stuff uh mr don shanahan he's got some great stuff out there as well 25 years later the hissy fit podcast. cinephile, hissy cinephile. Fit podcast. Yes. thank you cinephile hissy fit podcast as well mr sure you check out his stuff agent killer rodan's got a youtube channel check that out all wonderful support. Thank you, my listeners, for tuning in. And I hope you found this interesting. And yeah, we got a lot of great Immortals exploration coming up. I believe next week will be The Old Guard. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And then after that, yes, we are going after the prize. So <laughs> until next time, folks, we're just going to say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Because of erections. <laughs> You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more Spoiler Room content, head on over to our Patreon.com slash Special Mark Productions site, where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet Spoiler Room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.